Well, hello there. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Real Parables. Um, I am excited about today's movie. Uh, We're, it's, it was kind of, it's a movie that was an underground hit. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that there was kind of this running, it wasn't really a joke, but it was like, um, you have to give this movie a second chance. Like you're not going to think yeah. it's very funny on the first viewing, you have to watch it again. And that movie is uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into the Napoleon Dynamite, you know, the, this is a podcast that we do every week where we look at uh, Hollywood's, some of their biggest movies that come out. Every once in a while, we'll throw like a little unknown one in there, but Just not one that very we often. like a lot. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to make him watch uh, Legend with me. Also, uh, Waterworld was another one. Waterworld's another one. The Postman's another one that's going to be a good, you know, that was a big movie, but not very many people watched it. But we like to watch these movies that Hollywood puts out and think of them as modern day parables. Um, Because I think that's really what they are. You know, Jesus, when he was going about talking to people about love and mercy and grace and forgiveness, he used illustrations from everyday life to try and help us understand that. And I think that's what movies are today. This is something that everybody understands. So, you know, our goal is to take these movies that Hollywood puts out and um, and to find the timeless truths that are kind of hidden under layers. And some of those movies are easier to do than others, yeah. right? We kind of felt like <laughs> this movie is a little more difficult than yeah. we thought it was. Yeah. We just remember this movie being, just being fun to watch. So Yeah. And it is a fun movie. It's, it is a it's very silly. Fun movie. It's goofy. But Napoleon Dynamite, uh, it entered the American movie theaters in 2004, and it became kind of a cultural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were people from all generations and different backgrounds that were watching this kind of oddball, very low budget. Very low budget. Very low budget movie. It kind of looks like it was a YouTube (laughs) film that somebody just made for fun. Yeah, it, it definitely was not made with high quality equipment. It had some almost big name actors in it you know kind of i think uh yeah. uncle what's his face was uncle rico uncle rico is probably the most famous person or and then a martial arts guy is he you know he has a pretty good yeah you know but he's name. in every comedy i feel like yeah <laughs> at least back in that era yeah in that era but you know it follows if you haven't seen it you know, normal spoiler warnings. I don't know how you haven't seen this unless you're younger. Maybe you haven't seen I, it. I feel like a lot of young people might not have seen yeah. this. It's a hilarious movie. It's on Hulu or? It was on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon Prime. So you can watch that. It's a, a great movie. It's worth, it's not very long. It's only about an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I'm going to give the warning that I was given before I watched it. You got to watch it twice. Because the first time you're going to watch it is like, I don't get it. <laughs> But then the second time's like, oh, now I get it. You can't take it too seriously. It's it's no. like a, it's like a really dry satire. Very dry, very dry. But it follows the struggles of young Napoleon Dynamite. He is from Preston, Idaho, uh, a teenager in high school, who's, uh, let's just say, socially inept. Right. It's a good word for it. Socially inept, uh, and and you know. His awkwardness in high school is just compounded by his difficulties at home Mm -hmm. Um, because home life is not great by any means. Uh, 
His family consists of his, uh, we don't really know what happened to his parents. Did they die? It doesn't really say. I don't think it says, but we don't know what happened to his parents, but he's an orphan who's, he and his brother are living with uh, the grandmother, and the grandmother's kind of a this short-tempered woman who kind of has this mysterious double life yeah. <laughs> where she likes to go out to the sand dunes and uh, play on her quads and dune buggies with her much younger friends. Yeah, and her uh, boyfriend. And her boyfriend. And then there's Kip, uh, Napoleon's brother. He is a, a 32-year-old uh, stay-at-home brother who uh, his chief activity is playing around online. Uh, chatting it up with hot babes. Chatting it up with hot babes online. Um, but, you know, soon after we get that kind of baseline established, there's a little bit of hope that starts to enter into Napoleon's life, you know, with uh, his friend and classmate, this new kid in town, Pedro, who is an immigrant from uh, Juarez, Mexico. And then there's also a girl that he likes. Uh, her name is Deb. And uh, he meets her while she's trying to sell. It's like a homemade glamour shots kind of thing, right? Yeah, homemade glamour shots and uh, lanyards. Yes. So she doesn't have like a job at the mall where they're doing actual glamour shots. Mm -hmm. She just decided to set it up at her parents' house yeah. somewhere. So, you know, those are the general characters. The plot, I don't really know if there is a plot. <laughs> I mean, there kind of is one. But if there is a plot, it kind of revolves around their awkward but developing friendships. And then there's this campaign for Pedro and his improbable candidacy for school class president. And then kind of complicating all that is this character that we mentioned a minute ago, Uncle Rico. Rico comes in, um, and he is just kind of overbearing and a mess. Uh, he serves as a guardian temporarily for Napoleon and Kip. I don't know why he has to be a guardian I don't for know. I don't know why. either one of them, but especially Kip, because yeah. Kip's 32 years old, uh, because Grandma got injured in a quad accident at the sand dunes. Uh, she was she, jumping over this. She broke her like clavicle or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so uh, she has this bizarre injury. And Uncle Rico and the, Napoleon, he and Kip get along pretty well. Yeah. But Napoleon and uh, Uncle Rico, they clash immediately and kind of continuously. And then to make matters worse, Uncle Rico, uh, he really doesn't hesitate to humiliate Napoleon whenever he gets a chance. No. He, literally, anytime. He's in some kind of bad situation. He kind of just throws Napoleon under the bus <laughs> just to try to save his own butt. It's just hilarious. Yeah, or just be outright mean. Yeah, you know, like, like throwing a stake at his face yeah. to show his uh, accuracy. Yeah. So, um, you know, home isn't really a refuge for Napoleon in this movie. No. He's, uh, he's not very happy, and Uncle Rico's actions threaten to kind of undermine these new friendships and relationships that he has. Which is really his only source of comfort. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, you know, and we said earlier, we thought there was going to be a ton of stuff that jumped out. Yeah. As far as illustrations. And we did find a few. But I'm going to say some of these are a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it is just a silly, goofy movie. It is. But it's a fun movie, and I think it deserves talking about. It and there's some, movie. some very valid points. One that kind of uh, stood out to me is two 
know what skills in your life are important and what skills you really have. You know, early on in the movie, Napoleon kind of laments about he lacks skills that are most valued by girls. Now, you might have your own opinions about skills that are valued by girls. Yeah. But Napoleon uh, believes that girls are only interested in guys who have uh, sick nunchuck skills, mm -hmm. uh, bow hunting abilities, mm -hmm. and computer hacking. Right? Yeah. So that's that's what she, he believes. Sorry about my wife. I know. I mean, it was all about my nunchucks. <laughs> but uh, his friend Pedro reminds him that he also has a skill of drawing fantasy uh animals like the mythical liger which isn't really mythical because they actually exist yeah <laughs> i like when he's describing the liger to deb and uh explaining why it's like his favorite animal it's because that they like have a, sor a source of magic and <laughs> but they're real so <laughs> yeah it's just a half lion half tiger <laughs> yeah. i mean you can go to tiger king's uh what's his face who's the big guy with the ponytail doc antle doc antle doc antle has a couple Ligers, Ligers, yeah, out there. I'm sure, but, Carol Baskin does. I don't too. know. I don't know if you can go out there anymore. He might be closed down by now. Mm. But, um, but you know, the real idea is he wasn't really a great artist. No, you know? <laughs> not at all. His his <laughs> portrait of Trish was is the absolute best. And the look and then, on her face, yeah. Is like, and then he's explaining to her, he's like, "Yeah, it took me three hours to finish the shading on your upper lip." <laughs> <laughs> It's basically the best thing I've ever drawn. <laughs> oh, so, the, but he has a skill. He has a very real skill. Yeah. Uh, he actually has two, but, you know, the first one that kind of pops up is, you know, we see it in this 4-H competition that he and Pedro are a mm -hmm. part of. Um, you know, they live in Idaho in cattle country, and, you know, he has this real-world skill of being able to taste milk you know, from a cow, not a mythical creature, but from yeah. a cow. And he's able to taste what's wrong with it. Like, mm -hmm. maybe this cow got into a crop of onions, or maybe this cow's, you know, has this going on with it. Or maybe there was bleach left in the container that they were holding. You know, so he's able to find these minute little things in milk which is a real-world skill yeah. that we need. We need somebody that has quality assurance. You know, that's a big thing. Maybe not one the ladies are looking for. Maybe not one the ladies are looking for, unless they get you a good job. True. Where you can get some confidence in life, and that might help. But then he also has this skill that kind of develops more towards the end of the movie. Yeah. And that is... Dancing. Dancing. And it is quite the dance. It is. It is. I wish I could dance that way. I remember... Uh... In middle school, we, like when we have our camp talent shows, yeah. I feel like there was always one person who would do the Napoleon dance. There's always somebody trying to do the Napoleon dance. Some it's people, not easy. Some people are really good at it. Yeah. It's not an easy dance. No. You know, he makes it through his awkwardness, makes it appear like it should be an easy dance, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, it's actually impressive. It is. <laughs> it's good. If you, I mean, even if you don't want to watch the movie, just Google the dance on YouTube. It's great. Napoleon Dynamite Dance. Um, so that's kind of the first, you know, thing that we're talking about is, you know, oftentimes we want um, we want the skills that we think the world values, right? Uh, but the most valuable skills in reality are the ones that are given to us by God. 
you know, what is a skill that you think that you have been given directly by God? Uh, I, I definitely think it's my ability to pick up uh, musical instruments. Like I, I, I really like finding new instruments and I like changing my, my hobbies. I don't like doing the same thing for a long time. So mm-hmm. it, it really helps speaks to like kind of who I am, who's God's given me is I'm able to go from one instrument to another and just mm. learn it pretty easily. And I, I, it's gotta be God given. Cause I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really ever get really good at one. I just, I like picking up new ones and learning how each instrument works. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. You know, I, one that we've talked about here before is I believe that God gave me the gift of cooking. I didn't really learn it. Yeah. My parents were not good cooks. Sorry, mom, if you hear this, but you're not a good cook. My dad was not a good cook. My grandma had a few things that she was okay at, but not really. I mean, there was like chicken and dumplings, and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that was probably it. Yeah. You know, so I didn't grow up learning how to cook from people. You know, I just kind of have some natural taste buds where I know kind of intuitively what works and what doesn't. And it really didn't even take a whole lot of work for me to figure it out. I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like uh, Zeke on Bob's Burgers, you know, that episode, you know, when they're, when Bob's doing home ec and he yeah. gets Zeke up to, you know, there and, you know, he just kind of smells these different things like, oh yeah, that'll work and that'll work and that'll work. And it was this great creation. Yeah. Or like a ratatouille. You know? Yeah. I'm just a big ratatouille. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's unfortunate if you're listening to this that you haven't tried Graham's food because it is so good. So Graham's great. So we have, um, you know, we all have skills, you know, music inclinations, cooking inclinations. Uh, Brianna, you know, she is an incredible artist, you know, and we have to be okay with the skills that God gave us and allow uh, whatever those skills are to be used directly by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we try to fight against it, because, against it because that's not the skills that we want. You know, I would love to be musical. I would love to be able to play the guitar, but I can't, you know, I just, I, one, don't want to have put the time into trying and learn something I'm only going to be mediocre at. I mean, I've tried music before when I was in school and I really tried and I just, I didn't get it. Yeah. I'm just not a musical person and I'm okay with that now, but I wish I would have learned that earlier. Mm-hmm. All right. Point number two that kind of stood out to me is, uh, to dream big. Yeah. You know I mean? What do you feel about the idea of just dreaming big? I think it's important to to really want more for yourself than what you have. Like if if you just kind of stay in your same place and don't and kind of stay comfortable in what you're doing, there's you're you're like wasting so much potential. Like not only like who you could be, but I think about it in like in terms of ministry and how many people you could really share jesus with Mm. but if you don't really dream big and you might think oh that's not really for me i could could never do that which is how i felt when i was younger i was like i (laughs) i was like well i'm it's pretty difficult just being a christian in itself i don't really need to worry about trying to help other people to find god too (laughs) they can figure it out themselves yeah exactly yeah somebody else can do that (laughs) not really my thing yeah then you have somebody like pedro right Mm mm-hmm um, as we said earlier, you know, Pedro, he was new to school. He was, um, he was an immigrant. We're not sure of his immigration status. 
but you know we could probably make some assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Juarez, Mexico, which is notoriously uh, gang and drug yeah. riddled uh, part of you know border crossing, and he comes all the way up to Idaho, which is probably one of the whitest states in the country. But yet, when he meets him, Napoleon, tells him that there's a lot of gangs at this school. <laughs> and you know right off the bat uh he's he's awestruck by this girl right and you know here and he's kind of a goofy looking guy too yeah kind of like napoleon him and napoleon always just have this this blank stare on their face just kind of glassed over (laughs) yeah (laughs) so the first you know dream big is he wants to go out with the hottest girl in school right yep and then when she kind of turns him down, he's like, well, I'm going to be class president now. Yeah. So this new kid in town who is totally different than everybody else in the school now has this dream of becoming the student council president. Uh, and, you know, his campaign promise is intriguing, that he wants to make your wildest dreams come true. And I just love that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever... You know, whatever your wildest dreams are, you know, as your yeah. class president, I want to make those wild dreams come true. You know, and that's just kind of uh, kind of cool, you know, when you see that. But um, the biggest dreamer was Napoleon's uber nerd brother, Kip. Yep. I mean, who despite being re- utterly ridiculous, you know, he persuaded this vivacious girlfriend online yep uh sight unseen uh, her name's la fonda mm-hmm. uh to visit him in real life and then after she gets off the bus and she sees this very 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 white guy and she is a beautiful woman from detroit mm-hmm. uh, who's african-american and totally opposite of him yeah he somehow convinces her that he's the right fit. I mean, talk about dreamer of big dreams. He was a big time dreamer. And, uh, you know, he was able to convince her, despite all those differences, that it's worth it. But, you know, for some of us, dreaming big can be a challenge. I mean, yeah. You know, we like to be comfortable. We like to kind of go along with our uh, everyday lives. And we get so worried about the what ifs. You know, what if this, what if that? And because we're so worried about the what ifs, we never get to reach for the stars. We never, because we're so worried about the what ifs, we never get to reach out and become the class president. Or we never get to uh, reach out and try to to, to attract a little Fonda. Yeah. You know? It's so much easier just to keep keep it, things safe. Yeah. To not really go out and, and try to do something new. Um, but I think when you do go out and try to do something new, you find out, not only how easy it could actually be, also just how fun it is. Like, yeah. you might find a new passion, you might find a new gift, mm-hmm. kind of like what Napoleon does. I don't, I, I, I don't think when he uh, is starting his dancing, he really is being ambitious, thinking like this is going to be yeah. awesome. He he does it to help Pedro out, yeah, and then is recognized for being an amazing dancer. Yeah, and and the thing is, is God doesn't want us to be afraid. You know, He wants us to be 
dreamers. He wants us to do big things. He doesn't want us to be reckless. That's not what he's calling us to do. Mm-hmm. But he does want us to be willing to be bold in our faith and the things we do. That we should seek to do big things for God and to have uh, faith that God will bless us along the way. Um, and that's just such a cool uh, aspect that you kind of get a hint of in this movie. That it's okay to to dream outside of what your perceived capacities are. Mm-hmm. Because so time, so many times in life we're convinced this is all I'll ever be. You know, I'll never be able to do that. You know, I'll just... I mean, I work at a small church in La Mesa, California. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to be able to reach people across the country. Mm. But a year later, you know, from doing this, we have people who've heard this podcast and who's watched our other stuff on Facebook. Yeah. You know, from literally every state in the United States. And all, like, other and, countries, And other too. countries as well. And, yes, we are ministers at a small church in La Mesa, but we have a much bigger audience yeah. that God is providing for us because we're willing to dream big. And that is the coolest part about being in, you know, the the world that we live in today. Yeah. Is that dreaming big is in a way almost more practical. It is. Yeah. It's less dangerous. Yeah. So uh, another one that kind of spoke to me is Embracing people from different backgrounds. This is kind of tied to the last one. You know, Napoleon and Pedro were clearly from different cultures, especially mm-hmm. when you meet Pedro's family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who definitely seem to be like yeah. involved in gangs a little bit. Yeah. You know, Pedro, he seems kind of like the, he would be content to be a farmer mm-hmm. in Mexico somewhere. Yeah. Uh, his, his other family members seem more content to embrace the other Juarez. Uh, yeah. lifestyles that are there <laughs> but you know they're they're nice guys and I, I couldn't really i wanted to work them into this conversation somehow yeah but i couldn't find the right niche yeah it's it's kind of cool how they like they stick up for the small guy yeah they know? they take this this uh kind of gang influence from Juarez and use it in a good way here mm-hmm. where they're kind of protecting the bullied yeah which is yeah it's a pretty cool campaign promise that pedro and napoleon make is you know Pedro's got your back. Yeah. And, you know, really it's his cousins or brothers or whoever they are. <laughs> yeah. They're just intimidating the bullies. Stop being Drive bullied. up. <laughs> they don't just, do anything they, physical to them. They, shake they just their shake head. their head. But anyways, you know, embracing people from background is so important. Um, you know, and we see that there's great things that happen when they are able to embrace it. And the same thing's true for Kip and LaFonda, you know, uh, all four of them had the wisdom to see people as humans first. Uh, they were able to look beyond the, the surface level to the deeper realities of who they were. You know, Kip, you know, he's the computer guy and he's chatting with LaFuanda online. He's searching out these hot babes. Yeah. And, you know, at some point in searching out these hot babes, he and LaFuanda had a real conversation online. And he convinced her, hey, come visit me, you know, because I feel like this is something real. And he's, like I said, utterly ridiculous. Yes. But <laughs> especially at the end where he's like completely changed and he's like trying to like do dance moves out on the sidewalk. Yeah. I like he, he completely embraces 
yeah like her culture like he yeah. he wants to he wants to be with this woman yeah yeah and he's gonna do anything to be that yeah Whatever I have to do, I want to be with you. But he's still he's still being himself. Oh yeah, like he's for sure still himself. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he's willing to embrace uh, the other side of his girlfriend to to really get to know her and be closer to her. Yeah, but so you know, it's so hard for us sometimes as as humans to look beyond the surface level stuff. You know, to look yeah. beyond you know what is on the outside and look at who people actually are. Uh, you know, we as broken people have a tendency to look at the amount of money people have or don't have, mm-hmm. um, at the color of their skin, at their ethnic background, at, you know, their family background, at their career choices or maybe their lack of yeah. career choices. And then we make all these um, preconceived notions on all these surface level assumptions, but there's nothing further from the design of God. You know, God has called us to love no matter what. And he illustrated that in the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, uh, we have this story where somebody's trying to question Jesus about, you know, what they must do, you know, to inherit the kingdom of God, you know, to find forgiveness, to find mercy from God. And, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, they go into this whole thing about who is a neighbor Mm -hmm. and, uh, he tells this story about um, this man, this Jewish man who's on the road and uh, down to Jericho, and he gets jumped by these bandits, and they beat the snot out of, out of him. They steal everything he has, including his clothes, and they just leave him there on the side of the road for dead. You know, but there's you know people that travel this road, and one of the people that sees him laying halfway dead on the side of the road is a priest. The person. You know, priests, the term itself is meant to be, um, it talks about being a bridge. You know, a priest is supposed to be a bridge between God and mankind, you know, womankind, whatever. Um, That's their role. But here he sees him and he just passes on by because he's worried about becoming unclean. And then the same thing happens when a Levite, which is basically like a church deacon, you know, uh, this church deacon passes by. And doesn't want to, he's too busy, he doesn't have time, so he just walks him by. But it's a Samaritan, you know, the person who, um, culturally speaking, would be very different than this Jewish man. Uh, scoops him up, you know, binds his wounds, cleans him up, takes him to an inn, pays for all of his care, and says, hey, you know, if it takes longer, I'll come back and, you know, my next time through and I'll pay you whatever the difference yeah. is. And that's the illustration that we're supposed to have for each other. That Samaritan, he saw this Jewish man bleeding on the side of the road, and he said, that person needs me. Yeah. It doesn't matter that he's different. And that's, you know, how I think, you know, we see in this movie, you know, Napoleon saw this new kid who was lost and had a principal who was treating him kind of poorly. Yeah. You know, this principal was making all kinds of cultural assumptions about him yeah. that were awful. And... Napoleon said, you know, steps in, hey, you knew? And, you know, this friendship starts because he saw beyond just the fact that he was different. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. Um, you got anything you want to add to that? I, I, I love that this movie is kind of showing that even, even Napoleon, who is kind of like this not really hated kid at school, but kind of people kind of view him as like a nuisance. Um 
in a, in a big talk and he's he's not very popular but he he sees this kid who's who's struggling and wants to help him either way just cuz he's different and yeah. it, it doesn't really matter he just wants to be friends with him i think it's cool same with kit like yeah. kit kit likes this woman despite how different they are and she is very different than kit very different <laughs> very different comes from a very different background detroit uh, is a very different place than idaho yes <laughs> very different <laughs> i've uh, i've been to both lived near Detroit for a long time and it's it is quite a, a different culture than Idaho is. And what a commitment on her part to get on a bus and go all the way yes. to Idaho from Detroit. Yes. Yeah. It's not <laughs> It's not a fun trip. No. The bus stop or the bus station in in Detroit the Greyhound one is not great. <laughs> Let me tell you. And that's today. Yeah. <laughs> this this takes place in like the 80s, right? I think so something like that. It's a uh, I, I imagine it wasn't any better than. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I think, like I said, this is, God wants us to see people around us, not for the exterior stuff, but for their hearts and realize that they're a person who, um, who's in need and is seeking a relationship with God too. Our fourth one, um, you know, is Uncle Rico. Uh, he's kind of allowed failure to define his life. Why don't yeah. you tell us a little bit about Rico? Yeah, I R- Rico kind of is constantly from the very moment you see him, he's reliving his days of being a college football player. Yeah, and he's he constantly is talking about it throughout this film. Uh, he wants and he's really proud to show his his videos that he's made to his family of him uh, practicing throwing the football, reliving that that final throw that could have been in the fourth quarter of the mm-hmm. of the state game. They could have won state. They'd only put me in. Yeah, if they'd only put him in on that fourth quarter. And he's kinda he kinda just talking about this the entire time, uh, throwing the stake at Napoleon. He's like, I bet I could throw a football over that mountain if I if I wanted to. <laughs> I would have taken that bet, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he he makes all these ambitious statements about what ifs, what ifs. And I I think that's something to really to really think about is you don't really want to be that consumed by your past because it will just take over you even even jesus talks about it he talks about uh not worrying or letting yesterday's worry be uh yesterday's tomorrow's worries be tomorrow Mm -hmm. worry about today like he (laughs) uncle rico doesn't really have much invested in in his what's going on currently he's he's just kind of running scams to to get by until maybe he'll be able to be picked up by a some one football day. team one day. Maybe somebody he's, will see one of those. He's going to send his tapes in. Yeah. Uh, but he he's just he's so in the past and the future that he he's just not really in the moment yeah. of what he can get out of life. And I th- I think that's something really important. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but constantly looking back in the past, you know, it ends up just being a distraction. Yeah. You know, it begins being this distraction and uh, really it kind of renders us ineffective. You know, if all we're doing is looking at, you know, all these things that could have been or would have been or should have been, we're never focused on what's ahead of us. I have a friend who's uh, uh, run several half Ironmans and I think he was trying to run, last time I talked to him, he was going to try and run 
a whole Iron Man, but that was before COVID. So I don't know if that, but most of those I think have been canceled. Probably. But, um, you know, you know, he talked about, you know, several times that, um, when you're competing in these things, they said there's a cardinal rule of competing is to look up and focus on what's right in front of you. And I think that is such a godly perspective mm-hmm. towards life that we have to keep our eyes focused on what's in front of us and then keep our eyes up looking towards God and what he wants for us mm-hmm. in our lives. Because otherwise, we're just going to be running in trees. Yeah. You know, it's... And if you plan too far ahead, then you're going to mess up. You're going to trip yeah. when on what's happening in the current moment. It's going to mess you up further down the line. So that's not any good either. Yeah. You know, Paul reminds us in Philippians 3 that uh, he's urging us to, to not waste time looking behind us, but rather to do that, to, to focus straight ahead. You know, to press on towards the goal. And that is um, so important. And sometimes we, it's a hard lesson to remember, mm-hmm. you know, because we have a tendency to live in the past. What if? Yeah. You know? I, mean, I think that's kind of like the devil's influence on our minds is he wants us to linger on those what ifs because when we're, when we're stuck on that, we're not, we're not doing anything else. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, I've been guilty about living in the past. You know, yeah, uh, opportunities that you know I perceive as being missed, but when I look, if I'm really being honest, they weren't really missed. Yeah, you know, it's just I wouldn't trade where I'm at now, you know, for mm-hmm. that opportunity. And then a, a last one that I have, maybe you have another one after this, but a last one that I that kind of spoke to me is that love in this movie is triumphant. Uh, Napoleon, you know, in a humorous but kind of touching critique of you know he's he's in the beginning of the movie you can tell he's very lonely yes you know he's playing uh what do they call that that tetherball tetherball he's out you know at school playing tetherball all by himself and you can tell that it kind of is meaningless and that he's all alone Um, but as humans we're not meant to be all alone we're not meant to to fly solo we're meant to uh, live in a community and you know when we're able to be in that community that community is marked by vulnerability and love and the movie ends in a kind of a quiet triumph you know in this celebration of love and friendship you know Pedro has won the presidency and then we see Kip at, you know we presume is going off to marry Lafwanda, or did marry yeah, Lafwanda? Mar- yeah, he married Lafwanda. Post credit, they made post credit yeah. famous before Marvel did. <laughs> <laughs> so he marries Lafwanda. Uncle Rico is what seems like he's been reunited with a, a girlfriend from his past, mm-hmm. and Napoleon is no longer playing tetherball by himself. Yeah, you know he's now playing tetherball with Deb, and you know it's kind of that whole living happily ever after. Storyline. He even rides in on a horse. He does. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's great being able to see that even these misfits, you know, yeah, these oddball kind of characters, um, 
they were so committed. You know, Napoleon, only reason I think Pedro won the presidency is because of Napoleon's love for Pedro. Yeah. You know, Napoleon was the one that, you know, came up with the little plastic key, you know, what are the lanyard things, mm -hmm. you know, and he was helping them hand those out. Yeah. Well, Deb's the one them. that made them. She made them. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he's the one that said, you know, Pedro's got your back, mm -hmm. you know, for protection. And then there's the dance. You know, he learned the dance and even took this risk of being possibly humiliated. Yeah. You know, to be the laughing stock in front of the whole school. He goes out because uh, Pedro doesn't realize after his speech he's supposed to do a skit. Mm -hmm. But Napoleon's ready. And he's only ready because he loves his friend. Yeah. And he wants to be there for his friend. So he does this dance. And then, you know, Clip, you know, Kip and LaFonda, they clearly, even though they're so different from each other, you can tell that they love each other. You know, and it's real. It's not just some... Because, to be honest, I don't see what either one of them offers each other, you know, from worldly <laughs> perspectives. True. Outside of love. Outside of that relationship dynamic. And then even, you know, Uncle Rico, as uh, difficult as a character as he is, yeah. you know, he seems to find love. And maybe he'll stop focusing on the past and have some kind of real relationship that's in the here and now. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. I, I, I love how they leave the movie. They, they, they really do leave it on everyone just kind of receiving that love that, they, yeah. that they've needed. Uncle Rico receiving the love that he needs. You, you see Pedro, his his whole family is celebrating his victory. Yeah. And it, it's just great. The, the smile on his face because Pedro, almost this whole movie, has just had this blank stare on his face. Yeah. And you get to see such a big smile on his face at the end, his whole family celebrating his victory. And it's it makes you just happy. And they're so proud of him. You yeah. Know? They're so proud of El Presidente. Yeah. yeah. It's a great movie. It, it really uh, is. Did you have any other... I didn't have anything Points. else. Uh, there's, watch this movie. It's so good. It is. There's some scenes in there that I really wanted to try and find some kind of spiritual application for, mm -hmm. but I just couldn't. You know? Yeah. There's like the scene with the uh, with the two chicken farmers. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, maybe you can make an application about... Uh, Him working, uh, getting $6 for working for yeah. six hours. <laughs> A yeah, dollar an hour, and it was in change. Yes. <laughs> so maybe there could be an application about, you know, before you enter into an agreement to do something, have a better understanding of what you're being asked to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's a great movie. There's, it's one of those movies that you'll watch the first time and go, I don't get it. You'll watch it a second time and go, Oh yeah. And then you'll start these little, these little snapshots or what stick with you. Mm -hmm. Cause it might not be the whole movie. Cause I forget a lot of the stuff in there, Yeah, but there's the little itsy bitsy, almost YouTube length clips. Yeah. That stand out so clearly. It's like little moments. Yeah. It, yeah. Could, it could be like a series on TikTok if it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> today. Yeah. It's great. I, I hope you take time to watch it. We're glad that you could uh, be with us today for this episode of real parables. Um, we're not sure what we're going to do next time, but it'll probably be, uh, I think we might do uh, Mitchell's versus the Machine, uh, which is, that. it is uh, a movie that I'm very curious about. It is 
almost has a perfect score on IMDb and Metacritic. Wow. For a cartoon, but it's kind of an unknown movie. I don't even know what it's about. So I think they're going to try and do that, if not this time, in the near future. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to watch that because a movie that gets those kind of ratings is typically pretty good. Yeah. Not universally, because sometimes I just don't agree with critics, but... Um, Whatever we watch, <laughs> we hope that you join us. Yeah. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun as we continue to go through these um, real parables. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, though. We'll talk to you next time. See you next week.